The views expressed on the Health on a Wind podcast is not a substitute for the medical advice of your licensed physician, nurse practitioner, or any other health professional whose care you are under. Consult with your healthcare professional about any matters relating to your health and health needs, and before beginning any new health program or implementing any health information discussed on this podcast or on whatismyhealth.com. We're here with the first official, unofficial, I don't even know what the to call it. The unofficially official. Right, the first podcast <laughs> for, uh, for whatismyhealth.com. Mike Travato, founder of What Is My Health, one of the featured writers on whatismyhealth.com, writer of the blog Obsessed, mental health uh, patient and advocate, and I'm here with Kyle Leonard of No Apologies Productions. How do we get to this point? Why today do I have such an interest in, in talking to people about health? Why today are you vegan? Like when I met you five and a half years ago, you weren't a vegan. I like there was think think about how much has changed in the last five years. If you had told me, "Hey, I'm Kyle Leonard. We're working at ESPN right now, and in five years you're gonna own a business. I'm gonna be working on my you know my videography stuff and on all these independent projects and, and reaching out and I have all these alternative ideas." I would have been like, yeah, okay, we're we're gonna we're gonna take over ESPN. I mean, that was our original plan. Right. <laughs> like, we talked about that a lot. But if you think about the mindset we were in when we started there, when we were like, oh yeah, ESPN, this is where we need to be. This is where we're gonna like be make an impact. We're gonna do whatever it is we're gonna do. I'm gonna change sports reporting because that was my original plan. No apology sports was something I came up with. I mean, the name I didn't come up with until. After we had already been at ESPN. But right. the idea I came up with in college, because I finally took like some media ethics classes, and I took some news and analysis classes, and I learned about mass media. And I was like, yo, this is wild. There's no reason why this is how we should be force-fed everything. I've played sports all of my life. Right. I've watched sports all of my life. There's more to sports than what we're consistently talking about. There's more to each player, let alone the team. Like, just making it narrow, each player has a story that we don't talk about. Nobody cares about it. These are professional athletes. And even the worst player on a professional football or basketball or baseball team has worked so hard to get there. Even the laziest one, the most talented one, has had to put in a ton of work to get to where they are. You don't become a professional no. just by being better than everybody around you because we talk about sports teams and we talk about these individual players that are allegedly make the entire team. And even in basketball where there's only five players on the court, if just that one player is good, Kobe Bryant doesn't win the championship. If the team is one person, then you're probably going to lose. And because of my love of sports, because of my the fact that when I was in high school, I was told I couldn't play football again, and I said I'm going to talk about it then for the rest of my life, I wanted to change that. And we got to ESPN, and it just kind of resolved, strengthened my resolve to change everything about sports media. Because it scares me. It's gross to me to see the way some people are vilified for something as simple as a football game. Yeah. And... It's gross to me as a society to watch people consistently raise individuals over everybody else and then look to that individual to solve things. Like, 
and it, when I finally started to connect that to greater society, and when I finally started to really look at my place there, is when this started to kind of morph beyond just a sports it wasn't network. Just, yeah. Like, but my, I, mean, I think the idea was still that you wanted to change the way people were presented with information and the way they processed that information yes. and just the way they thought and I about to, that information. And I wanted to use sports to get there. Right. But and then, I think, yeah, I think sports is a great context to do something like that. But even even so, like, we're not yet at ASPN anymore, but the core of what you wanted to do when you were there, you wanted to change how people saw things and people interacted with the information that was presented to them. And I think that's been consistent in what you've done going forward in leaving ESPN. So you're not doing it in the realm of sports anymore. Now you're doing it in terms of like just society in general. I'm almost off of sports at this point. Right. Yeah. You're, you're so, I mean, I don't even watch football that much. Like to be fair, I do watch probably every week, but on Sundays I do other stuff now. Yeah. Like if I miss the first, the one o'clock games cause I'm playing football, I'm not really upset. Ironically, about it. you're still playing football. I'm, though, I'm playing no, I, it, but I, I'm not as interested in watching. Right. Like I love the sport. I'm not. I don't like the circus anymore. I don't. I'm not a big fan of the, the representations and what we see anymore. Right. And as I've as I've been able to realize that, it's pushed me further towards what I'm doing because I look at our sports cultures as a microcosm of pretty much everything else. In a lot of ways, Because yeah. it has to be. It, our sports cultures were developed from our greater cultures. So in so, to some extent and to a large extent, I believe, it's absolutely a microcosm. Even people who don't like sports exhibit the same personalities and the same attitudes towards the rest of the things in their life, whether it's politics, whether it's health. Right. They, they may not like sports, but you have the same attitude as that person that you're talking about in the things that you enjoy, in the movies that you watch, in the media that you take in. You have the same views on this individual, and you have the same rabid fascination with these other people, and they're not the people around you. And I listen to people talk about these other people, and whether it's other people as a celebrity or other people as this person who owns a company, it, all, it often seems to me like people are more enthusiastic about humans they don't have any interaction with. I mean, you look at... They yeah. know so little... They, relatively speaking, know so little about. They're so enthusiastic about these people's lives. And they forget about their friends. Yeah. Like, we don't talk... One of my favorite rappers, Brother Ali, he's actually... He's an albino uh, Muslim from Minnesota. And one of the things he says in one of his songs is... There's more around it too, but the context is about how we interact with each other. And one of the things he says is, don't nobody touch their friends. We don't hug each other anymore. Men, we handshake, and then we walk away from each other. Yeah. We don't hug. But my men's initiative that I'm a part of at my old school, that's one of the founding things about every time we interact with people within the initiative. Right. It's not just a handshake. We handshake and then we bring everything in and we hug. Right. And we keep our hands connected, but we hug. We touch each other because human physical interaction does a lot. It transfers energy. And I'm only now starting to understand things with the energies, but there's a be there's an e it's easier to transfer energy by physically placing my hand against you 
than if I just talk to you? I think there's different, I mean, I think it can go, like, from a scientific standpoint, right? You have, like, the physical interaction between two, you know, like, you're, you're, you're made up of, of, you have mass, you have, like, this, these physical properties, and, yeah, like, the transfer of physical energy. But I think the way you talk to somebody also has an energy. And to, to kind of turn this and, and put it into the scope of health a little bit, like, people think of health as nutrition and fitness and, and sure oh those are huge parts yeah but, but, but that's only your physical health right but that's and that's the intake of energy and the expenditure of energy but if you think about how much mental energy you have to put into the relationships that you have the environment that you are a part of it's just stuff that you read and yeah. watch and that's the thing that this is one of the seeds that i would like to plant with people is that is that like yes do the things that you're doing that are health related and, and keep those close but don't discount the fact that everything you do in one way or another has an influence on your health because if you can accept that people are going to have more specific and fine-tuned definitions of health as a word mm-hmm. and as a concept oh, yeah. but as as a as in its most basic form health is your existence right it's your it's your life it's everything health is your health is everything. If you don't have your health, you are, you will cease to live. <laughs> ultimately. I mean, ultimately, right? we're all going to cease to live anyways, but if you're unhealthy, you're going to die a whole lot quicker. Right. And the quality of the life that you had probably isn't going to be good. And material life isn't quality life. You might have quality materials, and you might have some, a lot of fun, but realistically, when you die, none of that comes with you. You don't it, get that. You well, don't get to keep that. You don't even get to keep the feelings that that thing gave you. I think it. I think it depends. I, I agree. I understand what you're saying. From uh, like, I, I agree with the concept to some extent. But if you get enjoyment from having those material things, that doesn't necessarily make it wrong. That doesn't mean like mm-hmm. if you derive enjoyment and you feel fulfillment from those things, it's possible that that to you would equate to a quality life but that's also some but if that becomes greater of greater importance than your physical mental and emotional health and it's all based on these material things because you you can be you can have as many materials as you want and be incredibly unhealthy but if you're healthy you can get materials the material isn't going to make me healthy the material is just something i can enjoy while being healthy I mean, yeah, the material things, I would say, play into, like, your, your immediate surroundings, your environment. And if you can look to your left and look to your right and identify, well, I have this material thing or that material thing, you might be satisfied with your surroundings. The immediate and the satisfaction that you, thing that our entire society is built on at this point. I think, I think it's becoming, it's trending that way with the instantaneous ability to access information, people. Like, nobody's ever, how often are people disconnected? No, it's rare. It's part of why I refuse to not have a flip phone. I give you, I give you credit for that. But and that doesn't mean that when I'm on my computer, I'm necessarily any better than everybody else. Because no. I get lost in that social media too. But I don't want someone to be able to reach me on one of those platforms when I'm driving. Like I don't right. want. And and that's on a broader scale. They you shouldn't you know be accessible well, yeah, that like too. that when you're driving. But because of safety but even if someone else is driving like i'm comfortable knowing 
that people can only access me in those ways when I am there and I am letting them access me. It's and like, they don't just have blanket access. Right. There's no. It's like there's no. People don't have boundaries. Mm-hmm. And and when they do try to put up boundaries, they're labeled as you know they're seen as selfish for doing those things. Like oh well, wh- why can't you make time for me now? I, I need you now. And I, I'm not saying I don't fall into this. I, I definitely I think it. I think it's just human nature, unless you like have really mastered the ability to balance yourself in that way, where you, you have your time for everybody else, and you have your time that you set aside for you, and you're, you're comfortable in that. I think it's, for a lot of people, it takes a while to, to realize that, and, and to actually come to a point where they're able to do that. Like, I have my phone on me all the time, and there are times where I can identify, like, I shouldn't be accessible right now. I need to just tune things out and just take an hour and just chill, you know, but there's this, there's this expectation that like, if somebody were to need me, that I have to, I have to be accessible right then and there. And on some level, I want to be available to people. I want, I'm driven by my ability to help people whenever I can. And so I feel, (laughs) you know, like in, in theory, I would love to be accessible to whoever needed me 24 seven and I do my best to be accessible most of the time. But you know, there's been times where I like, I just, I'm so overwhelmed by whatever is going on. And it's like, I'm in the middle of one thing and then somebody else, you know, chimes in with a text or an email and it's like, Oh, well, I have to address that. And it's like, I feel, it makes me feel so scattered sometimes. And I, I just, the desire to, to be there for people, we can get lost in our own identity and our own like ability to take time for ourselves because if we're not there for somebody, oh, well, I needed you. What happened? Why weren't? Why didn't you answer my text? Or why didn't you like you didn't answer my email? Whatever my call. I don't know. if People are still making phone calls anymore. But like, <laughs> no, it but happens like, on a rare like, occasion. Right, and and you feel so badly when when you when you're not there for somebody in that moment when they did need you. But the fact of the matter is, it may not have been done selfishly. It might have just been look. See, I think sometimes you need to be selfish. I, th- I think even and even, I don't even calling it selfish, I don't think selfish is inherently th- negative. I don't even think that the word selfish is necessarily the right word for it. I think you have to be able to set the boundary. This is this is the time I need for my I need for myself. Not selfish is like I want this. I have to I have to have this. I, I want it. I want it. I want it. Me, me, me. Right. A need. Like there are things that I need that I wish I didn't need. I on some basic level, there are things that I inherently need that I would love ideally, like sleep. <laughs> no, I'm not like, I don't get me wrong. I love sleep, but there are times where like, I would love to be able to apply so much more, easier. right. To give more hours, devote more hours to doing something else. Yeah. I want to be productive. I'm in a rhythm and I'm like, Oh, I, but, but inherently I need to sleep or even I'm not being productive and I want to make sure I do, I get productive. Right. But I got to sleep. Right. Like need is a, something necessary to survive. And need is overused. Need is consistently over. People are like, oh, I need to have this. And it's like, but do you, are you yeah. going to die without it? One of the, no, one not. Of the, okay. Then you might want it. It might be super pertinent to you. It might be really important. It might help you a lot. Yeah. But you don't need it if you're not going, if you, if it's, if it's not something that's literally keeping you alive. One of the, one of the hardest distinctions that I had to learn to make was the difference between what I need and what I want. Mm-hmm. And that came a lot with other people's expectations of me. I wanted to be able to meet the expectations that somebody else had of me. 
But in some cases, people had unrealistic expectations of me, and when it came down to it, I needed to not feed into that and present myself as somebody who might be able to fulfill an unrealistic expectation. And I had to remove myself from those people and say, look, what you think, what you want from me or what you need from me is not what I'm able to give you. And, you know, I need, as much as I might want to be that, I need other things more than I need to fulfill that. And I'm sorry that I can't, you know, have that role. And you, you lose friendships over that, sure. And that's a that's a very difficult thing to navigate, but that was one of the most important things that in the last five years that I've discovered is is there's a difference between what we want and what we need. And it's not wrong to want things, and we may have the best intentions, but we can't ignore at the same time the things that we need. So if And if you take that time and you say, okay, here's what I need. I need to sleep. I need to turn my phone off for an hour. I need to take a bath. Do something, just whatever it is. Something that is for your own sanity, for your own peace of mind. I don't think that's selfish. I think that's fulfilling a need that, you, you, like, and people, I think it gets misconstrued as being selfish. Mm-hmm. I don't think that we allow each other the time to put up those boundaries for just a little bit and i'm not going i'm not going away i'm not going to say well i got to do this so i'm not, I'm not going to be there for you anymore i'm sorry this is like our friendship is over you know but i think although sometimes that has to happen too sure i mean yes there are some relationships that are toxic the interconnectivity of the world is beautiful it's it really is it's amazing so many, because yeah. we can speak if i want to i can go on twitter today and i can speak to somebody in india yeah if i really want to yeah i could and it's it's a person I've never I don't know I, a person whose name I don't know I can just find a person who in their Twitter profile it says I live in insert city in India right and I can speak to them exactly and that's incredible like that's beautiful I mean the, the simple fact that like right now whoever's listening to this could be I know that like on Twitter I have I've actually for somehow I I have a little bit of traction over in England and and in, and in Europe. And I didn't intend for that to be the case. I'm thrilled that it is the case. But, like, from that standpoint, yeah, like, you, the ability to reach a broader audience than you ever would have been able to by walking out your front door is amazing. But it becomes dangerous, too, because people don't know how to use that internet interconnectivity. They don't – we haven't been taught how to live for ourselves while living for others. You don't just live for yourself, but you have to take care of yourself. Yeah, there's that survival instinct, like, but there's also – If I'm not okay – I can't help you. Then in 10 years, if I'm spending all my time helping everybody else, which is altruistically, that's a really good thing. Right. But if in 10 years I die because I didn't take care of myself that whole time, then who cares? Well, I don't, I don't know if I would agree with who cares necessarily because if you can impact people on a positive level and you sacrifice parts of yourself to do it, I don't think that's – I think there's definitely value to it. But I think it's also important to yeah. There has to be a sacrifice. Sure, but and, and to be to be completely selfless, I think is an ideal for some people. Whether it's realistic, I don't. I don't know. And I'm sure that I'm sure that there are people who are much better able to just set their own selves aside and completely sacrifice for other people. And I give them credit for that. But I think that and that's for, one of my goals. I want to be able to. I want to be selfless, but 
in order to be selfless, I need to know that self is okay. Yeah. Because if I'm not healthy, it doesn't... At the end of the day, you're right. Somebody cares. Like, if I helped you for 10 years, you're going to care. Right. But at the end of the day, if I had taken care of myself, I could give you another 30 years. Right. Instead of just you, that yeah, 10 Yeah, you're years. extending the... There's, one, there's a difference between sacrificing things and sacrificing self. I became vegan. Right. And I became vegan mostly for reasons that don't have to do with me. I have... Yeah, so, what, like, what, explain... I know you've kind of... I've asked you about your process before, but just refresh me on it. Like, how did you... Five years ago, you were happy to go out and eat burgers with me. Like, <laughs> regular and burgers. I was and happy now, to go out yeah. and eat burgers with you. <laughs> how did, what, what would you say... And, and, again, if we go back to the concept of, like, it started with an idea, right? You came across something that made you think, hey... Maybe I want to eat differently because that—I mean—that was a choice you made. Like, do you remember when did you first consider becoming vegan? When did you first start to, to to put it into place? What was your realistically? It started a long time ago. I have been decidedly against violence for most of my life. I have not by accident never been in a fight. I didn't hit somebody as more than like a ha tap right, you on like your the, shoulder yeah. until this one night I was with my cousin we were arguing he said punch me in the face and I did <laughs> but I've never been okay with violence and it can be weird coming from someone who's a huge fan of football but I also will always acknowledge that I have hypocrisies and I have contradictions in my own life. Well, I don't think I don't think the enjoyment of football, I mean for some it might be, well, but being it, able, I don't think looking past the violence to enjoy football. Okay. Because I have to. Football's a brutal sport and I defend football's brutality, which is another part of what makes me a contradiction. But I don't like violence. I don't think it's worthwhile. But the goal of football is not violence. No, it's there not. is there but there's is... violence in it. Yes. Um, I don't think it's worthwhile. I believe in self-defense. But even then, I've always held to, it'll take a lot for me to actually hit back. Right. That doesn't mean I'm not going to defend myself, but it'll take a lot for me to hit back because I believe that there are a whole lot of options in between no and fight. Fighting is, in my opinion the last option does it even have to be an option i think it has to be because it there's some people who won't listen there's some people who aren't going to care about the other option if it's they're not getting my message and i'm just talking at them and they're not listening and i take it to fight then that's no. that's a real that's a strong misunderstanding of violence as an option but if you're trying to fight me you're trying to okay. hurt me there's still a laundry list of things I'd rather do before I hit you. So violence is something I abhor. And that ultimately became the reason why I'm vegan. I didn't, it didn't really click to me until after I had become vegan that that was probably one of the largest motivating factors. motivations for it. Um, but realistically... When I decided I hate violence was probably the first step I took to becoming a vegan. 
even though it took me another 15 years to become a vegan. So without even necessarily identifying or making the connection between your stance on violence and, and veganism, at what point would you say that vegan, being vegan, was a way to uh, kind of represent your stance against violence? Like when did vegan first cross your mind? I mean, it's been something that's at least been mentioned before. It's something that's come up in my head, and I've usually dismissed it. But it was a little less than two years ago, probably, when I first said to people, I'm probably going to become vegan. And the first time I said it, it was more of a probably. It wasn't a definite. It, I, it I was a. You, I remember you saying it, and I, I wasn't sure that you were going to do it. Most people it weren't. Like, yeah. I wasn't even. Like, yeah. it was... It was something that had become a real consideration to me. Um, after I did that, I started learning some more things about different industries. And then once... Basic, once I made the connection between my disdain for violence, my disdain for putting profit above lives... And I stopped separating human life from animal life is when it became more than just a consideration. But even at that point, I said, I'm going to gradually become vegan. Like by the end, it was sometime last year when I said, by the end of this summer, I'm going to become vegan. Like, I'll go through the summer, but at the end, I'm done. Right. And so I, I was still, like it was still more of a, I'm not really there yet, but I know there's something to me that's going to want to be here. Because I started realizing that, I started believing, maybe it's not realizing, I started believing the acceptance of violence and killing of animals really only left a small step to the acceptance and, of violence and killing of humans. Even for people who might want to claim humans are significantly different, once you are able to internalize that it's okay to do this thing, it's not a large leap to get to. It's okay to do that, too. To a person? Yes. Okay. And it might not be something people are necessarily conscious of. This is my thought process. It might not necessarily be linear. But because we're okay with killing a fly... Because, think about it. One of the oldest cliches about whether someone's an okay person, oh, they wouldn't do, they wouldn't even hurt a fly. Right. So that all by itself, even if people aren't, aren't connecting it, that is connected to the idea that once you've hit a fly, there's only so it's far you have to go to get to people. I don't like profiting off of the suffering of anybody. So for me, once I realized the connection between he wouldn't hurt a fly to... I'm going to punch this person in the face. For me, that connection also became, if I'm not going to hurt a fly, why should I kill this cow? Or why should I support killing this cow? Why should I give money to people who are killing this cow? When I finally said, nope, this is what I'm doing, I'm vegan, was when I watched a documentary called Earthlings, narrated by Joaquin Phoenix. Who, but the reason why it's narrated by him, I found out later, is because he's a big, he's a big animal rights activist. I didn't know that. I didn't either. And in Earthlings, they refer to speciesism. 
So speciesism is a word in the same vein as racism and sexism and all that stuff. Where we raise our species above these other species. Even though if you really want to get, get real about it, take away our weapons, we're at best in the middle of the food chain. Because without our weapons, almost there's a lot of animals smaller than us that we're not winning a fight against. Well, I think, I mean, again, I can't speak to the science of it. I don't have anything to dispute what you're saying or to back what you're saying. So I don't, I don't even know if I want to expand on it. But I think if you go back to your decision to be vegan, your reason for becoming vegan was not necessarily the nutritional aspects of things. It was mm -hmm. more of the, it was a principle of the, from a violence standpoint. I learned so, the nutritional later. Right, and 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 that's another topic I think in itself because you have there are different schools of thought. There are some people who are like, oh, vegan veganism is they have their assumptions about it. Whatever definitions people apply to vegan, because it's real weird some of the definitions people apply to vegan. Yeah. But and and that's why that's why I wanted to ask you your thought process. It's, for some people, it might be nutritional, but for you, well, okay. It was a, it was a moral thing for me. That doesn't necessarily mean that I think someone who doesn't do it is immoral either. Right. But for me, my personal morality told me okay. that I couldn't continue purposely supporting this system. So, so in that sense, your decision to be vegan, become vegan, was a matter of you identifying your principles and what was important to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that, again, that goes back exactly to what it is I'm trying to uncover here for people is that Everybody has a somewhat different set of principles. And there may be overlaps in, in things that people believe and don't believe. But for you, your food choices are based on some of the principles that you have about the way people interact with other people and other, you know, their environments and the animals and those, like the, the other species in those environments. While you have found nutritional backing to it, from that a physical health standpoint, yours was more of a, um, maybe it's even more spiritual, which is your sense of your values, your belief, you know, your principles instead of beliefs. Maybe, maybe I guess that it would be better to describe it as like a, a somewhat spiritual. It could be, yeah. I think that spirituality is not just based around religion. It doesn't have to be based mm -hmm. around religion because there are people who are spiritual without being religious. But you have some element of spirituality that that drives your principles your your sense of purpose you, you know all these things your belief system and your core values are rooted in your sense of spirituality and i can and, agree with that yeah and i think the important connection to make with that is your spirituality and your belief system is driving something that influences your physical well-being mm -hmm. your nutrition your food intake and all of that and I think that's an I think that's a really cool connection to make is that because if you said to somebody like oh yeah how does spirituality affect your health, a lot of people may not make that connection. Some people may say okay well from a religious standpoint I have I believe in something it makes me feel a certain so I, way and I can't eat pork. <laughs> but for you like so if if it, it might take a little bit to actually think through and and connect make that connection between spirituality and and physical health. But when you talk through it like this, and you say, well, okay, I eat the way I eat because of my beliefs about treatment of other beings, there's a connection there that I think it's worth talking about that. 
Yeah, I mean, it drives, that same principle drives a lot of the other stuff I'm doing with my life. So if your reason for being vegan was less spiritual and more, say, like, nutritional, when you look at me eating a, a steak, and you're like, well, he, Mike's unhealthy. But to me, I believe that, you know, my, I need to eat protein, that kind of protein. I don't think I'm being unhealthy. And the fact of the matter is you and I may never agree about the principles behind being vegan or not vegan, but I don't have to be vegan. You don't have to eat meat. You eating or not eating meat does not influence my well-being. That's where we can discourse. That's why, that's where I don't like the idea of someone saying to another person, what you do is unhealthy. I think it's fair to express concern yeah. if it's something that differs from the way you perceive it. What makes it, what you're doing healthy? Right. Why do you believe in what you're... Why do you think what you're doing is a good thing? If those are the questions that we're not thinking to ask ourselves, I think they still need to be asked. That's why I want to write a book of questions. Because I want people to be questioning themselves more. I want people to question the people around them more. We don't question each other. We argue. People say say something well, people that someone question, just people take questioning as a as, as, an, a, as an, a personal attack. That too, and but I don't think that's always that. A lot of the times, that is not what it I is. I consistently question, and yeah, there's times when my questions are pointed, and there's times when my disagreement is evident in the question, but it's still a question. And if you're somebody who doesn't want to ask a question, you just want to argue. Oh no, this is how it is. All right, but you don't even know why I think what I think that one person saying that one time this is my friend was a vegan and they were this and so as far as you're concerned every vegan is that is that what i am the only person with true power over who i am is me there are people who can influence who i am there are people who can effectively end who i am but nobody really has power over who i am i can still make whatever decision i want I can still wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to do this. And there might be somebody that puts an obstacle in my way and says, no, you're not. But I'm the only one who gets to decide whether I want to. Right. And I think, I think that can tie back into what we, what we were talking about, about just the simple concept of planting that idea, that seed of an idea. And that there are definitive things that we choose to do. But in order to do those things, we have to have the thought about them. Yes. So, and this goes back to what we were first talking about, how, like, you know, when we were at ESPN, at the root of what you wanted to do was you wanted to, you wanted to help people see sports differently and think about sports differently. In the same way that what I want to do with, with what is my health is to help people see health differently and think about how their well-being, their existence is affected by more things than we... And, and I guess it does tie into the, uh, the idea of the conscious versus the subconscious. There's all this subconscious stuff that's going on. And if we can just think about it a little bit, like we were talking about you becoming vegan, subconsciously, you're probably not going to make the connection between spiritual and physical in, in that way. But because we looked at why you became vegan there was a connection that could be made between your beliefs, your principles, your values, some sense of spirituality influenced the way your body intakes food, the mm. way you decide to intake food. And I think that's a I think that's an important 
takeaway from this the conversation we're having and it doesn't have to be i'm going to be vegan because i believe in this this and that it could be any number of connections mm -hmm. by putting it out there and talking about it and saying okay well yeah kyle's a vegan well why is he a vegan oh kyle doesn't like violence he has a belief system he has his principles this thing that happened when i was seven years old that i might not even remember consciously i made a decision today that was influenced by how i felt about that situation Sure. Like, like I told you with the vegan thing, if I want to be really technical about it, I started becoming vegan when I stopped believing in violence. But I can't, I, I didn't consciously think, oh, I stopped believing in violence when I was like 10, so, you know, maybe I shouldn't be vegan. But I know, but now I know that unconsciously that's what I've been thinking for basically 18 years. Right. And it's, it's so easy to overlook that on a subconscious level. So if we bring that, if we bring the consciousness to those thought processes. I think that's one of the things that, that by, by, by recording this podcast, I think that's one of the, the, the main goals I want to accomplish is bringing these things to the surface and saying, okay, spirituality, physical health, how do they connect? It's a couple steps to get to that. Yeah. You know, who would ever connect that to, well, that's why Kyle eats uh, broccoli versus a cheeseburger. But I want, I want to like... I want to explore that. I want to take those steps to make those connections. Yeah, and because that's good. I, I understand entirely where you're coming from. You know, that doesn't mean I'm going to go out and be vegan. No, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be. Right, because we could make these connections without passing any judgment about it. And that's another thing we were talking about, like how the way we act towards each other, the way we don't give each other boundaries, we don't have our own ability to, to take time for ourselves. We also, we pass a lot of judgment but we do it because the, you know they do something differently. If you take the if you take the judgment away from it, and you can you can sit back and understand why Kyle's vegan. That doesn't have to change Mike being you know uh, that's not going to change me in the way I eat necessarily. It might. What you said might inspire some people to say, oh, you know, I never thought of it that way. But that makes sense, and I, I that resonates with me. That doesn't mean that I necessarily think you're wrong for not agreeing with me. Like you, you that doesn't make you wrong just because I think I'm right. Right, and that's awesome. I think it's worth talking about. I think a lot of things get misrepresented based on the association that we have. Yeah, because all we do is associate. We don't question associations. We make associations. Like, so we've been making connections this whole time, but they're, question, they're connections that we've also questioned each other on. Yes. So even though we've made the association, we've also made, had a question. I've made a connection to something, and you said, yeah, but what about this? I think that's something we should be doing. People tend to not focus on the distinction of the words and they just people like to forget that words have meanings part of it's the, the way we've been taught societally kind of like things i hate it's so often used love so often used that people don't even know what it means it so gets, they, yeah. they apply it to things that it doesn't that don't deserve that kind of statement they don't deserve that strength so Hate is a really strong word. There's a huge difference between I hate that thing or I could do without it. It's not my preference. So yeah, like, yeah, is something not being your... Or, I wouldn't choose or, that. I love that thing. Or is it really just something that you think is pretty cool? Because I can think something is cool. I can want to be around something. I wanna, can want to be around somebody. I can want to have something yeah. and not love it. And I can, I can feel joy with it and still not love it. Everything's an extreme. Either I love it or I hate it. 
And it's like, but that's not true. There's a billion different things in between love and hate. And you can't feel any of those? It's only one or the other? Yeah. I, I need it or I want it. <laughs> that's not quite so linear all the time because there's some things that I need and don't want. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I think from that standpoint, the way we talk about things, we assign meanings to things without necessarily consciously considering what it is that we're, you know, the meanings that we are assigning. And that's one question that, that I've been asking is like, what, what with this, with, for what is my health at least, what does health mean to you? I genuinely want to know the answer to that question because we talk about love, we talk about, like you said, love, hate. It, they're used so casually but if I said, well, what does the word love mean to you? Or what does the word hate mean to you? You'd probably have to sit and think about it. And that's, that's good. I think that's a good thing. So from the same standpoint... you should be doing it every time you use the words. Sure. It shouldn't just be when someone says to you, what do those words mean? So to, to, to bring it back full circle, if you were to summarize, and this is not something you may have a concrete answer on, but if I were to ask you right now, what does health mean to you? Life. Without, because I don't care what I have. I don't care about my leisure time. I don't care about all that stuff. If I'm not healthy while I'm doing stuff, then what's the point of my life? If I'm not helping someone else be healthy, then what am I helping them do? I'm not helping them sustain life. I'm not helping them stay alive. Like, if I'm consciously contributing to you being unhealthy, and I'm also consciously contributing to you having less of a quality of life. Because I'm contributing to you being unhealthy. I think to, to look at somebody else and tell them whether they're healthy or unhealthy is discounting mm -hmm. what their view of health is. And that's why I'm, I'm trying to ask, like, okay, what, what does health mean to you? So what is your definition of unhealthy? Can you, can you define health? Without using like without using the word health, unhealthy. I would say unhealthy things are things you do, whether consciously or unconsciously, that harm yourself or others. If I'm consciously trying to make sure myself and the people around me are always improving, then that's healthy. If I'm consciously contributing to the harm of the detriment of another person or myself then that's unhealthy i mean this is a we're being general about what is my what is health anyways but that spans so many things whether that's the way i eat whether that's the way i talk to people or myself whether that's me exercising or not exercising whether that's like wh whatever you put to it, whether that's me neglecting my spiritual side, whether that's me not caring about my principles, whether that's me ignoring any sadness that may come up in my head, whether that's me dismissing depression. If I'm doing things that are consciously and knowingly going to hurt, po going to probably hurt myself or another person, then I'm being unhealthy. It's important for me to identify my what's important for myself. But, but then to also consider that that's going to be different for somebody else. Mm -hmm. I'm here with Kyle Leonard of No Apologies Productions. Kyle Token, Token Leonard. That's Leonard. where I am all over social media. Kyle Token Leonard. At No Apologies Prod on Twitter.
YouTube me, No Apologies Productions. You can find me on Twitter at what is my health or me personally at Mike O C D underscore W I M H. This has been the first installment of the What Is My Health podcast. Thanks for joining us. All love, baby. Thank you.